As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Walking down the beach, Hercules is unhappy. Pacing the shore, he keeps muttering about how he never has anyone worthy to fight. No man on land is strong enough to face me? Is there nowhere I can go to find the challenge I seek? It is then that the skies grow dark and the seas rumble, as a lone ship carrying Percy Jackson appears on the horizon. I will match your strength with my own and show you the strength of the seas, Hercules, Percy calls out. Hercules licks his lips with anticipation of battle and that battle of the demigods is about to get out of hand. It's Seaweed Brain versus the Prince of Power. It's the Hero of Olympus versus the Lion of Olympus. It's Percy Jackson versus Hercules. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic sci-fi and fantasy. I'm your host, James Cavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Legion of Audience, how can the matchmaking get any better for the Who Would Win show? Well, in all reality, it can't. In today's episode, you have the seller of many books, the star of many films, and the coolest demigod around. Of course, I'm talking about Percy Jackson versus one of Marvel's heaviest of heavy hitters and overall combat master extraordinaire. I'm talking, of course, about Hercules. As usual, I did the patent who'd win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And to my surprise, this matchup has actually been discussed millions of, well, at least thousands of times online. Wow. However, yeah, here's the thing, though. It's been discussed with Percy Jackson and the actual Greek mythological version of Hercules, the not the actual Marvel version of Hercules, which means we have another unique geek premiere matchup for the Who Would Win show. You're welcome, Legion of Audience. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's fight? I love this matchup. I am a fan of Greek mythology. I bet you didn't know that about me. Something I recently only discovered about myself. 
Percy Jackson is, you know, a Greek superstar. Hercules is maybe the Greek superstar. And bashing these two together. You know, we, we've been actually hitting it out of the park with the uh, matchups with the production team. And the fan base has been noticing it. I mean, this is another one that kind of no one's really put this together the way we can actually do it. And, you know, we just seem to be kind of hitting it all cylinders. And the fan base is noticing it. So the past couple of weeks, I've been getting some interesting uh, messages, emails, DMs where fans have been saying, listen, you and Ray are just kind of hitting it. You're clicking, you're hitting it all cylinders. Maybe you two should collaborate on some other projects. You know, Ray just oh, did uh, Reclaim Detroit, that amazing audio drama series based on Bas- uh, the Vampire Masquerade uh, mythology. I've been producing some content as well. Ray, if we had to collaborate on something, look, we, we rarely see eye to eye. What do you think you and I, we put our, our forces together to create some type of devil type of synergy, because I don't know what other way to call it, what should you and I collaborate on? I think that we could easily collaborate on the Who Would Win mobile game for iPhone, Android, and Linux. Is that a phone? I don't know. Anyway, I think much of the style of Marvel's uh, Snap, which if you haven't played it yet, it's a fantastic card-based Marvel superheroes game, but it would be one of you plays James, your opponent in this head-to-head matchup plays Ray, and you have to win the argument. And you have cards in your hand representing different strategies. And you have different characters that you have to pull from. And you're playing cards all over the field. And eventually, Ray always wins. Yeah, this is why I uh, actually don't think we can collaborate on anything. The, you know, uh, I've said it before, Ray Sicanus is the reason why we can't have nice things on the show. That's a horrible idea. I've been going over, actually, Ray, in all seriousness, I've been thinking about this. Should we collaborate on a comic book? Maybe uh, a film, maybe some type of docu-series uh, for Bravo. Who knows? And, and the answer that keeps coming back to me is absolutely not. Listen, I think we're hard. getting our peak of collaborativeness in the Who Would Win show, even though you and I butt heads all the time on this stuff, especially in production meetings. I'm pretty sure this is it. We can't go any higher than the perfection known as the Who Would Win show. I could be mistaken, but I'm not. Now, speaking of collaboration, speaking of people who know how to do a lot of great things with a lot of great people... It's time to introduce our guest judge, making another appearance on the Who Would Win Show. It's the star of My Three Dads podcast, co-host of the Father Good podcast. It's writer, producer, comedian, and fan favorite judge. And despite what Ray Sicana says, I think, no, I know he's one of the most intelligent people to ever have graduated from Harvard. You know who I'm talking about. It's Marshall Gibbons. Marshall, welcome back to Who Would Win. What's up, guys? How's it going? What's happening, Ray? You talking trash, man? What's going down, man? Stop stop dissing the Crimson, Talking man. trash. Stop this dissing guy, the Crimson not possible. that I did not go to. That's cool, though. I could have if I wanted to, but I didn't. I, I'm just saying it's, <laughs> it, it seems like you did. Listen, you, you know, before we kind of get into collaborations, you've been doing a lot of great stuff lately. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to recently. Oh, uh, recently I've just been actually pitching uh, my own animated uh, series that I will talk about later, maybe. Uh, but uh, actually, um, a f- animated feature that uh, I do a couple of voices in uh, just made it into the Slam Dance Film Festival coming up in 2023. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's an awesome animated feature called Unicorn Boy um, by a great writer and animator, Matt Keel, starring Patton Oswalt. Harold Perrineau's in it. Um, Parvez Chena. It's great cast, great, great, uh, great movie, and I can't wait for everyone to get a chance to see it. That is pretty cool. Uh, not surprising though. You're always working on really great stuff. Look, when it comes out, please let us know. We want to give a signal boost and let our Legion of Audience know where they can watch it because it's going to be amazing, especially if you're in it. Now, 
you know, you heard a little bit about what we were, what Ray and I were talking about, about a collaboration. You've known Ray for a long time. Mm-hmm. You've known me for a few years through the Who Would Win show. Mm-hmm. What do you think we should, and, and maybe you'll be part of it because oh, that would just make it amazing, by the way. <laughs> what should we collaborate on as our next project? Well, you know, shoot for the moon here. What should we do? Oh, we're shooting, we're shooting for the moon here. And then I think a buddy comedy feature is in order. I believe that's that's what's got to happen. Oh, I mean, two two gentlemen who are so passionate about about comics and fiction and stuff going on a road trip to Comic Con, going on a road trip to all the cons uh-huh. and all of the hijinks that ensues. Oh my goodness, that would be a great project for you two. And we call it the con. <laughs> the con. <laughs> And would you, and, and the role that you would play would be the uh, gonna, superhero who comes in and helps out Ray and I see the the truth. No, 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 which no, is I'm, it's I'm, always I'm important be, to be I'm nice. Be to, guy, no? okay. I'm going to be the guy uh, uh, with the clipboard at one of the cons who won't let you in. Yeah, that holds up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to be running um, around the building. <laughs> Here's the deal. When I go to a con and someone has a clipboard and says you can't get in, <laughs> I'm getting in. Yeah, see, that's, that's not going to be a problem. Exactly. We're getting in. Oh, I usually <laughs> just turn saying. around that's and saying. go So home. we may need to. I respect rules. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that's what Ray is known for. Listen, um, I think we should collaborate uh, on something, Marshall. When I say we, I'm just talking about you and I. Uh, Ray can bring us snacks. Uh, I think it's great that you're doing these different animated projects, um, but I think you have a face for TV and for feature film. Just putting that out there, and I'm not trying to suck up to you as one of the greatest judges we've ever had in the history of the Who Would Win show. Mm. I'm just making a fact. I'm just saying what everyone's thinking. All right, listen, enough of all of this. It's about that time. (laughs) We have an amazing matchup. We got Percy Jackson. We got Hercules from the Marvel Universe. We got Ray. You got me. And you have the amazing Marshall Givens, Ray, to bring down justice and bring a great judgment to the show. Let's get this party started. Ray, go ahead and do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing the PJU, the nautical demigod who didn't have a great GPA, the best he could manage was high C's, <laughs> Percy Jackson. <laughs> and representing Marvel Comics, the demigod who's here. He's there. He's every bleepin' where. Hercules. 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 I'll accept the win right now, Marshall. If, uh... <laughs> You see, Roy Kent from Ted Lasso is playing Hercules in the MCU now. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's there. Yeah, it is. I I don't know. He was. T- I I heard that he was told to you know two weeks ahead of time. Hey, you got two weeks to prep for the role of Hercules. The one thing they didn't use CGI for in in Thor: Love and Thunder. The one thing they didn't that they really should have. You know, Natalie Portman had jacked arms, but no, not Hercules. Oh no, just make him look like he's a. Uh, you know, kind of a CrossFit guy, but okay, whatever. I'm just complaining. <laughs> now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Right? You know I'm going with the... Okay, I'm just going to say it. The Marvel 616 comic book universe of Hercules. You? Everyone knows this. But what version... Yes! Surprise, surprise, but what version of Percy Jackson 
are you using for today's battle? I'm a little disappointed you're not using MCU Hercules as seen only in a cameo at the end of Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> that would have taken some skill. But I'm going to be using the yes. book, the novelization version of Percy Jackson. Like the movies are, you know, they're a little people, uh, big fans of Percy Jackson don't seem to be all up on the movies the same way other series have gone. And so I don't want to use that. I want to use the one that's going to be faithful to the new Disney Plus TV adaptation. Uh, I'm using the book version of Percy Jackson. I am surprised that you could read a book. All right, rule number four, debaters. Melee's examples of skills, powers, and weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but, be, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. Rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com, get your hands on some Who Would Win merch right now. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Don't make your loved ones face the dead of winter in old t-shirts, ancient underwear, and ratty sweats. Help them fight cold with Cozy. Give the gift of Tommy John. Look, when you're comfortable, you do everything better. And Tommy John loungewear has the market cornered on comfortable. I personally love the feel of the second skin Moroccan tea in blue because it makes me look good. It makes me feel good. It makes me ready to go and live this life. 
And while you're picking out Tommy John underwear, pajamas, and loungewear for your loved ones, do yourself a favor, grab something for yourself too. Shop Tommy John's Wrap It Up sale and get 30% off everything at tommyjohn.com slash www. Order now so your gifts arrive before the holidays. 30% off at tommyjohn.com slash www. tommyjohn.com slash www. See site for details. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Percy Jackson. Perseus Percy Jackson is the Greek demigod, son of Poseidon, Lord of the Seas. He was created by Rick Riordan and first appeared in The Lightning Thief in 2005. Percy Jackson is the chief protagonist in the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series of books. He's the son of a human woman and the Greek god Poseidon, which grants him superior physical abilities, even compared to other demigods, as well as powers of the sea from his father. He has gone on a whole host of adventures and more recently has been adapted into uh, movies, an upcoming TV show, and even a musical, if you can believe that. Fun fact, if you don't know the backstory, uh, writer Rick Riordan told bedtime stories to his kids when they ran through the Greek mythology stories, which you know Rick was studying them at the time. Rick started making up new stories about the Greek pantheon to entertain them. Percy is based on his own son and has ADHD and dyslexia just like his own kid. So here's fighting for the ADHD in our audience today. Anyway, after being convinced to write out his story as a novel, Rick took it to publishers and the rest is history. That is Percy Jackson. Very cool. Here are the details for Hercules. Hercules first appeared in Journey into Mystery Annual Number 1 back in 1965 and was created by the iconic duo of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Hercules, Lion of Olympus, is one of the most physically powerful characters on Earth and a good friend of both Thor and Captain America. In Marvel Comics, he has left behind the title of Demi and just become a full-on god. This is due to his death as a demigod, I guess, in which Zeus resurrected his fallen son to become a full god. The son of Zeus spent centuries traveling the world, defeating monsters and helping the other heroes of Greece such as Theseus and Jason. In modern times, Hercules' role isn't much different, helping the heroes of today to battle villains as one of the most iconic members of the Avengers. And here's an interesting fact about Hercules. Did you know that Hercules has a, how should I put it, strange relationship with his sister? It's true. Despite having a rocky relationship with his other half-sister, Athena, a character he murdered, by the way, Hercules has an even stranger relationship with his other half-sister, Hebe. How so, you may ask? Well, it turns out that Hebe is many things. The goddess of youth, the cupbearer of the gods, and, oh yeah, she's also Hercules' wife. Yeah, I said it. Hercules oh. married his half-sister. That's why when it comes to Hercules and those weird people I met in West Virginia, everything is relative. And now you have the facts in both opponents. Marshall, do you have any questions before we get started? No, I'm very interested to hear these arguments because I'm not familiar with either one in their worlds that you're talking about them. So this is going to be fun. All right, Ray, please proceed with your very first point. Point number one for Percy Jackson. Let's talk about his physical abilities as a demigod and talk about how he is a master swordsman. Now, this is a guy at 12 years old. The Lightning Thief was written uh, when Percy Jackson was only 12 years old. It's his first story. And I think that they're trying to do kind of like a, a Harry Potter kind of a thing with young characters who grow up through the stories. And I think that's where maybe the movies kind of got a little bit of it wrong and where some of the pushback was. 
Anyway, at the age of 12, he held his own with Ares, the god of war. He fought the god of war at 12 years old. And we could argue that the god of war wasn't necessarily taking the fight as seriously as he should, but that's still an impressive feat uh, when you're fighting the god of war on any level. That's like saying, I knocked out Superman. He wasn't looking when I punched him. It doesn't matter. You still punched out Superman. That's a pretty good deal. This is a guy who's held off an army of ghosts by himself. What makes this really, really wild, besides fighting an army of ghosts, we've seen Lord of the Rings. We know what an army of ghosts can do. But as he was killing these ghosts, they kept resurrecting and coming at him again. And he was able to hold off this entire army. And basically, Poseidon is one of the big three uh, uh, gods in that there's Poseidon, I believe, Hades, and Zeus uh, in this particular realm. So the, the sons of those three gods are sort of a cut above the other ones, which means that compared to other demigods in his own world, he is stronger across the board than, than pretty much all of them. He can match strength with monsters. We're talking 10, 20, 100-foot monsters. He can match their strength. These monsters pick up cars and throw them like they're baseballs, and Percy Jackson can meet that strength in battle. One time with one hand, he shoved open the 10-foot, you know, full-on lid of Kronos's golden sarcophagus. Gold is very heavy. Pushing off a lid with one hand like you're doing nothing, pretty big deal. At one point, believe it or not, he was forced to hold up the sky. Let's face it, this is an Olympian. This is a guy who does godlike things. He held up the sky. Now, he wasn't able to do it for an extended period of time, but if you can do it at all, that's a pretty good strength feat, quite honestly. But let's talk about his sword play, because he is a master swordsman who carries a master sword. Anaclosmos, as I believe the name of the sword, it translates to Riptide. And it's made of celestial bronze, which is a special item that can hurt demigods, can hurt gods, but passes uh, harmlessly through regular humans. So it's really there to fight gods. Thankfully, that's what he's fighting today. It's a three-foot-long sword, and there's a lot of neat properties of this sword. It always returns to him. He can't be disarmed and lose it for an extended period of time. Sometimes it takes the form of a ballpoint pen that he just has on his person. So if Hercules does try to disarm him, he's going to have that sword back within a moment or two. That's just who he is. Small cuts against gods and demigods lead to intense pain with this sword. So if he hits you with the sword and even does a little bit of a nick, it's really going to hurt you. It's really going to feel it. Even a character like Hercules, because if he gets a good shot on a god with his sword, it's said to dissolve a demigod from the inside out. It actually eats their life force. If he gets a real, he's got a good, a good hit on you to really kind of get it deep. But if he manages it, it's eventually going to bring you down and there's nothing really you can do about it. And this is a guy who whoops up on monsters too. He once grabbed, you remember the end of Black Adam when he rips off Sabic's like head? He ripped off a minotaur's horn with his bare hands, kind of in the same way. It wasn't the whole head, but that horn is kind of in there pretty deep. He was able to take out a cyclops named Polyphemus, uh, who was very, very large and was having trouble. You know, everybody else was having trouble with him. A hundred foot colossus. He just grabbed a thing, knocked it off as a spike, jammed it into his forehead and staggered the guy who was being hit by all manner of attacks from everybody around him and not even, you know, he was no selling all of it. This is a guy who goes toe to toe with gods, demigods. He can take shots and he always bounces back. Uh, my favorite other thing, he was made to suffer the injuries he's done to others. That's a pretty wild punishment to have. One of those was an arrow to the heart that he had to just eat, and he just shrugged it off because he thought that would be a lame way to die. 
That's the level of power we're talking about. Percy Jackson is legit. And that's my point number one. You know, there, there's a lot of great stuff about Percy Jackson that, that you got to love. And whether it's the movies or the book, it's just an amazing character. All right, listen. And let me just cut to the chase. Sparring, if you're 12 and you're just sparring against Ares, the god of war. And Ares is just kind of going like easy. That's still a massive, massive accomplishment. I agree with you 100%. But let me kind of push back on some other things. The gods in the Percy Jackson universe, as powerful as they are, they're not quite the celestial beings that the upper tier of gods are in the Marvel universe. That's the thing, especially the Marvel comic book universe. You can't say there's parody there. Well, there's Hercules here and Hercules there. Oh, no, no, no. These are completely different beings. More on that later. Uh, on top of that, holding up the sky, you're saying Percy Jackson can do that for long. That's, that is very impressive. You know who could do that for a very long time with no problem? That was Hercules. When he took over holding up the sky from Atlas, he did it. Not a problem. He's like, take your time, Atlas. I can stay here all day. Not an issue. He's got that level of power. And I will say this, holding off an army of goats is actually pretty impressive. Goats are like good. They eat grass. They kill they shrubbery. They were ghosts, and James. The, uh, the undead spirits. How dare you? I mean, I guess that's cool too. But like goats, like they're, they are. It'd be more impressive right, if so they were goats. let me get to my point. Yeah. That's fair. All right, all right. Goats, uh, but let me get to my point number one. And as great as Percy Jackson is, the thing is you got to understand about Hercules is that he's the actual living embodiment of power in the Marvel Universe. Look, beyond strength, he's got a number of powers. He's invulnerable. It's actually been said that the only thing that can truly kill Hercules was if somehow his body's molecules could somehow be magically and scientifically dispersed, which has never been close to being done before. Like, that's just something that's that's crazy. It's a, beyond what Galactus could actually do in terms of matter manipulation. He's just that kind of got that level of durability. He has unlimited stamina. He never gets tired, which means he can fight at his peak for many years if necessary. Percy Jackson, as far as I know, has no way of keeping up with that. He's got super speed. He can run up to 100 miles per hour. That's pretty cool. He can jump super high. He can jump super far. He's got superhuman reflexes. You know, like everyone else in Marvel, he dodges bullets and can dodge godlike energy blasts coming at him super speed. He's got a healing factor. That means he can recover from any injury super, super fast. And he is absolutely 100% immortal. But back to his power. So Hercules, in a, is it just, he's just in a completely different level when it comes to strength and overall power. Here's a few examples. You know, Ray, you were talking about these mad, these huge hundred tall beasts that Percy Jackson's taking on and matching strength with. That's awesome. Hey, here's something Hercules did. He picked up and he threw Godzilla. Yeah, Godzilla was in the Marvel comic book universe for a while. And at one point, Godzilla is fighting the Avengers and part, you know some of the X-Men. And he's about to step on Angel at the time. Not Archangel, but Angel. That's the uh, member of the X-Men who's got the really cool wings and can fly all over the place. So Godzilla is about to step down. Hercules runs underneath, catches his foot, and then throws him a few city blocks you know, away and like throws him back onto the ground. By the way, Godzilla is theorized to weigh over 164,000 tons. That's insane. Another time, I mentioned this before, Hercules and Thor were on either side of a wormhole, and that wormhole needed to be closed. So Thor correctly somehow did the math and said the incalculable amount of power that you need to close it could be done if we did the only logical thing, Hercules, and that is if we punched the wormhole at the same time. So a wormhole... Go, breaking through the fabric of space and time got closed by Thor and then Hercules on the other side punching it. How that works, have no clue. Here's the best example, uh, or here's another great example. Manhattan was somehow placed in a different geographical spot by aliens in the uh, Marvel comic book universe because, you know, aliens. And Hercules moved the island of Manhattan back to where it was supposed to be. He moved the island of Manhattan. When the Hulk 
split the tectonic plates apart under Manhattan. Hercules went down to hold them together. He actually held tectonic plates together. That's crazy. But here's the best example of Hercules' strength. Again, I mentioned this on the show. There's a character named the Beyonder. Now, the Beyonder is the power. It's the, it's a it's another universe that turned into a human type of form, right? It's not human. They said, I want to turn into a human form and kind of exist within the Marvel Universe. So as they're walking around, he's getting in problems with the Avengers. And Hercules, you know, they're inside this mountain kind of base. And Hercules grabs him in this crazy bear hug. And the Beyonder's trying to get out. It's Remember, it's a, it's a universe walking around as a person. So got all the power of the universe. And he can't break out. And finally, he says, I've got to use all the power I have as a universe to break free. He did and blew up the mountain. Hercules was absolutely fine. But to break out of Hercules' bear hug, his grappling hold, which is crazy, that restrained him, it took the power of another universe to do it. That is crazy powerful. Look, as powerful as Percy Jackson is, as great as he is, because he's pretty amazing, he just doesn't have the power that equates to what Hercules has all the time. That's my point number one. I love the fact that you're open and strong with the Godzilla argument, because Godzilla versus Hercules is one of the crazier things to happen in comic books. Now, if he has this colossal universe level strength that he, you know, Beyonder couldn't get out of when he, when he got underneath Godzilla, he, I, I, he must've thrown him into space, right? Oh no. He just sort of knocked him over and Godzilla was fine immediately afterwards. I'm not going to say flipping Godzilla isn't amazing, but he, he only sort of just like knocked him over. And, and even then he didn't even really hurt him. Hercules tried to grab a piece of bridge after that, threw it at Godzilla, who was somehow, despite being in the water, able to dodge it. Godzilla's very large, as was the bridge, and Godzilla just sort of turned slightly and dodged it. So Hercules is not always on point with his attacks, is what I'm trying to say. Look, and he gets you in that grip, it's going to be a hard time. Percy Jackson, obviously, cannot afford to get into that bear hug move. But if he does, look, we're talking about a swordsman versus a grappler, and I'll take my chances with that sword every single time. Ray, I got to tell you, I'm actually really enjoying this. Your points are excellent. Everything's going well. This is actually going to be an insanely fun battle. I was a little worried at first, but this is going to be crazy good. Speaking of crazy good, Marshall, you've heard a point each from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Right now, it's tied. It's tied. Uh, first round tie, Hercules power, crazy. That, I, like I said, not familiar with him as a Marvel character. So all I, all, the only thing I know about Hercules was he once threw a bear into space, but that's a different story. <laughs> So that's great that like that power, but also Percy Jackson's power apparently, but the sword is, that's a, that's a pretty big thing. Cause if he can fight big monsters and he also has this God sword, that's a pretty big deal. So right now I feel like it's pretty even, pretty even here. Ooh, I'm liking this battle a whole lot. All right, Ray, we're, uh, we're head to head in a, in another tie so far. Point number one, let's see what you got for your point number two. Point number two for Percy Jackson. I want to talk about his secret weapon. That being, I can't believe it, his ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, same as the 12-year-old son of the author. Now, the thing is, it has written into the Percy Jackson stories is all demigods have ADHD as well as dyslexia. And that's because their brains work differently than human brains. And they use the dyslexia to kind of decode and quickly read all of these ancient languages is sort of the vibe that they're going for. Now, ADHD in the real world can lead to you never getting anything done until it's the last minute. It can lead to even simple tasks feeling like they will take you a year and a half, even if they are 30 second tasks. 
so you don't do anything around the house and you live in squalor. I could be talking about anyone right now, not just myself who has ADHD. <laughs> My point I'm trying to make right now is in the world of Percy Jackson, ADHD gives you a hyper focus when it comes to battling. It allows you to kind of see the battlefield and have senses on the battlefield in a way that other people don't have. So it improves your instincts and causes you to make good choices in combat. It improves your reflexes because you're able to kind of suss out what other people are about to do before they do it. And it gives you kind of spidey sense, super senses in its own way because of your ability to hyper-focus on small events. What does that mean? Battlefield reflexes. It's referred to in the book says it means that he sees too much, not that he sees too little. And because he has such a wash of too much information all of the time, being a demigod, he can, he can use that to his advantage by kind of parsing it and determining what's important and what isn't. One time in battle, he sensed his opponent tensing up so he could figure out the, where the attacks were coming from before he even threw the shots. That's huge against a character like Hercules, who isn't looking to uh, hide his moves at all. Hercules is a very one-dimensional kind of grappler, brawler, thrower. He's not exactly faking left so he can throw right. He's just throwing right in a way that you can't do anything about it. That's Hercules. But if you see it coming ahead of time and you're very fast, like, like Percy Jackson is, you can get out of the way. He also has really strong willpower, which I thought was interesting. He resisted Medusa's charm speak. And basically Medusa, she looks at you, she can convince you to do something you would not otherwise do, but he was able to come from within. And I think against a character like Hercules, you need that willpower. You need that inner strength to get going because Hercules uh, hits you real hard and makes you want to stop, you know? And being a demigod in Percy Jackson, it means he perceives everything in slow motion. A juggler juggling three balls in the air looks like it's all happening very, very slow, and you could reach out and just grab one if you wanted to at any time. A volley of arrows was shot at Percy Jackson. He just cut them all out of the air like no problem. He fights so fast that his blade appears blurry to outsiders. He fought a character named Mrs. Dodds, who moves with the speed of basically teleportation, blinking she's behind you, and he was able to stick her with the sword by anticipating her moves and actions. Excellent. And, and the last thing I want to talk about here is some of the pets that he has. He has a few that he uses, but we've used pets before. Brave Star, anyone? He has a Pegasus named Blackjack that can fly 100 miles an hour that he's been known to ride through the sky as well as a hellhound named Mrs. O'Leary, who appears like a poodle to outsiders, but actually is like the size of a Sherman tank and can absolutely tear you up. And I'm saying not just as a, they would fight Hercules, but two on one, three on one. You get that kind of an advantage. Hercules is going to be dealing with one thing, while Percy Jackson has a chance to lay a plan with another. Also, that poodle, hellhound, Mrs. O'Leary, can shadow travel uh, across great distances. So if we are looking at a battlefield removal technique, Mrs. O'Leary could use the Shadow Realm to grab onto Hercules, take the two of them far, far away from the battlefield, leaving Percy Jackson an easy victory by battlefield removal. Good old BFR. That's my point number two. Here's the thing. What's really cool is that Percy Jackson, like all a lot of other popular characters, he has some action figures made of him, not just from the the movie the uh, you know movies, but also. From the books, and you know what uh, is not sold with the Percy Jackson action figures, you know, unlike you know Brave Star with the uh, the horse quick draw or like uh, Cobra Command, who was it, uh, Serpentor and his flying uh, platform. Uh, Percy Jackson characters action figures aren't sold with any of his pets. I guess they're all sold separately, which means they're not always with him all the time as part of his 
entourage or what have you, but they sound amazing. All right, let me let me kind of clarify something. ADHD and dyslexia. Look, that's I'm glad he can use that to his uh, advantage. It's actually really cool. Hercules married his half sister, so I think that's kind of a push in terms of like, hey, both people have some issues here. Listen, there's hyper focus. That's great. Hercules has got that. The other thing is Hercules is also insanely skilled in many forms of martial arts. Like this is my point number two. He's not just a brawler who likes to grab you and kind of just crush you kind of thing. He's insanely skilled as a martial artist and as a fighter. More on that later. Uh, he's definitely not one dimensional. And Hercules has defeated uh, those beings with battlefield removal. Remember, he fights gods a lot and upper tier Marvel supervillains. And he's also around upper tier Marvel heroes. So teleportation, battlefield removal. He knows how to navigate through all that and not be positioned in such a way where that's going to uh, be something that can can affect him. All right, let me get to my point number two. And let's talk about Hercules' fighting skills and some weapons he's used. So Hercules is considered to be one of the best fighters, if not the best skilled fighter amongst all of the what I call high power level characters of comics within at least Marvel. You know, you take these characters who can press over 100 tons, and you say, great, who's the most skilled amongst them? And it kind of shrinks down that pool a little bit, and Hercules is actually either at the top or close to the top of that group. Now, keep in mind, I, I just mentioned, Hercules is a master of martial arts and fighting styles. He created a style of martial arts called Pancration. This is awesome, which is, uh, Pancration is an ancient Greek version of modern-day MMA. It was actually an event with the original Olympic Games, which is cool. When he fought the thing, this is another incredibly skilled boxer who's known to be a great fighter in that upper tier. Hercules beat him within seconds by using a series of kicks, takedowns, and submission holds. This is someone who knows how to fight and fight insanely powerful beings. He also knows where to hit people in order to knock them out as quickly as possible. I'm not saying that's a power or that's something. It's just he's got thousands of years of battle experience. He knows how to see someone. He knows how they move. He's know how to spot a weakness very, very quickly and take full advantage of that. Another example of a fight is when the Hulk is on Mount Olympus and Hulk's beating up the gods who are there. So Hercules shows up, tells the Hulk that he's going to get the gift of battle and then does a really cool double leg takedown to the Hulk, then gets on top of him, starts to ground and pound him. Otherwise, I'm going to smash him with punches and other strikes while the Hulk is down. And of course, the Hulk gets a black eye and a bloody nose within seconds. That's awesome. Top of that, Hercules is also a master of weaponry, both the modern type and ancient weapons, you know, swords, shields, all that kind of good stuff. If he can get a hold of it, he is going to use it and use it at a mastery level. Uh, he uses as his main weapon a mace out of a, it's made out of a substance called adamantine that rivals the strength of uh, Thor's Mjolnir hammer. So whatever Thor's hammer can do in terms of durability and striking power, that can be matched by the mace that Thor that Hercules has all the time. Uh, that's pretty cool. Hercules' fighting combat abilities are so great that even when he lost his powers for a short time, he continued to be a superhero and just relied on his fighting techniques and his weapons. He took on Elektra, who's one of the you know, insanely deadly assassins within the world of Daredevil, and they fought, and he actually was kind of getting advantage of her, taking advantage, or getting the advantage of the fight with when he was fighting her, and then actually talked her down from fighting. Wouldn't say that's a win, but definitely he came out ahead in that one. Let's see, on top of that, remember he's got thousands of years of fighting experience against everything from those powerful super beings in Marvel to aliens, to Thanos, to Galactus, and most importantly, gods from every pantheon you can think of, including Olympian gods, and he's beaten all that he's had to face and battle the vast majority of the time. Put that all together, and that's my point number two. Okay, all right. Now, like, nobody's even arguing slightly that Hercules isn't a great fighter, and Hercules isn't very, very strong. Hercules' strength is kind of weird, though, in the comics, because you see him go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a character like an Electra, who doesn't, to my knowledge, have super strength, and for some reason, he, you know, he could get a hold of her, he could hit her, and he doesn't, like, crumple her, like, my when my car hit that mailbox. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, so it's really weird. Sure, with he, the... he lost his powers, though. Oh, okay. He lost, so, oh, so he's just yeah, he so he's super weak all of a sudden. I have a hard time believing Hercules is weak at any level. But you see Hercules fighting these characters, so you think he would completely just overwhelm, and he fights them toe-to-toe. You know, he tends to to do that. And I think taking uh, taking a lesson from that against Percy Jackson, not the best idea, because Percy can get you if, he, if you kind of underestimate him, which he might. And you talk about the gift of battle. You know, it's something I offered to all my family this Christmas, and no one will take me up on it, uh, unfortunately. They say we want, you know, uh, Amazon gift cards or, you know, video games. Nobody takes me up on the gift of battle, and I find that, come on, Mom, don't you want a piece of this? Anyway, my point I'm trying to make through all of this is, while Hercules is a great fighter, I think Percy Jackson is a perfect counter to what he has to offer. That's fair. Also, on a side note, I had to tell my kids, you know, when they go to a birthday party, the gift of battle is uh, not a good replacement for an Amazon gift card. Like, that just does not translate that well as much as we wish it did. I disagree. You know, real gifts come from the heart, James, and the fist. You're not wrong. See, what's happening here? We're agreeing on all these points. More importantly, we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Marshall tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Marshall has to say... Let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we are going back to one of my favorites, Tennyson Cole. You are back oh in the gosh. hot seat on the Who Would Win Show. Uh, Tennyson Cole is back. All right, I have no choice but to pull out the big guns. Let's see how Tennyson Cole does against Voltron. Voltron. Oh, Tennyson Cole. Tennyson Cole versus Voltron is a heck of a thing because he walks over one man on the battlefield and suddenly this 500, what, 500 foot tall Voltron, you know, with the lions and the power sword and all of it, the giant fighting robot appears before him and Tennyson Cole kind of like cracks his neck, cracks his knuckles. He goes, all right, it's time for a beating of this giant robot and the giant robot's going to go ahead and shoot him and he's going to shoot these lasers all over him and he's just going to pull that like Mark Hamill move that Luke Skywalker move from Last Jedi. It's going to go all the sand is going to be everywhere. And then he's going to pull back and he's still just going to be there and wipe off his shoulder. At which point he says, is that all you got, Voltron? And then shockingly, he's going to remove his own head, remove his both of his arms, remove both of his legs, which then themselves turn into mini versions of Tennyson Cole, not lions, Tennyson Cole. <laughs> Five mini versions of the torso just laying there on the ground. Those five versions are going to envelop Voltron, burrow through him like mind worms, and just eat holes like Swiss cheese out of Voltron, who then falls in a heap. Tennyson Cole reforms as a victor. You know, it's so funny. Uh, Lotor, the main uh, villain of uh, Voltron, actually had that as a plan that he just never had a chance to use. That is exactly the way to beat Voltron. I knew Tennyson Cole exactly would come it. up with a way to, to do it. This is crazy. All right. Congratulations, Tennyson. Remember, you too can Did become it. a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up. You may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Marshall, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead? And what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? You know, interestingly enough, like the you you both have given me some good points that... It's tied still. Ooh. It's tied still. Power, fighting ability, raw strength, and all that stuff versus, hey, Lynn, I've, and, I've, and I've, I live this life, ADHD powers, I'll take it. 
I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I need that in my life. So something about the, those those abilities kind of almost offsetting each other. It's like, oh, if he's going to be raw strength and power and fight just head on, then that I feel like there's defense for that. But also, if he gets hit, he's probably out. <laughs> like I'm not like we're not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that. So I think it's tied. What one has to do to win? I like. I I feel like I want to just feel hear some more battlefield stuff, some stuff that they've done, some feats. I need more feats so I can like put those two together and say, mm, wow, I need more feats. I just need more feats. I like it. Okay, here we go. All right, listen, Ray, this battle's been going really well for both of us so far. We could call it a tie right now, which would be something we would never do because... We just got to get to the bottom of this. All right, go ahead and hit us for your point number three. See, I know what would happen if we did call this battle a tie, and that's why I know you would never, ever agree to it. But let's move on to my point number three, and we're going to talk about the C powers of uh, Percy Jackson. And we're not talking C as in A, B, C, and these are not very good. These are the powers of the ocean granted by his father, Poseidon. He's basically Aquaman, which is kind of a neat thing I didn't know first thing walking into this character. He has the powers of the sea. What does that mean? Water powers. He has a myriad of different water-type powers and water-adjacent powers that I'm about to tell you about. Because Hercules, big, strong, brawler, fighter, very, very powerful. He doesn't have that range of abilities to pull from in, in, in a pinch. He's kind of one-dimensional in that regard. Percy Jackson's like nine-dimensional because he has the power of, let's just start here, hydrokinesis. What does that mean? When he's around water, which he pretty much always is going to be, there's always going to be an ocean or a sink somewhere nearby that he can pull from. He can pull water out of the air, throw it at you, and make that water explode. (laughs) He can blow up water, which is absolutely insane, but he can also pick it up and move it kind of like pyrokinesis or, you know, telekinesis, pick up that item and then move it around and do things with it. He can harden water on its surface tension level and make both weapons and shields whenever he needs to. So there's a big punch coming in from Hercules about to hit him. Well, maybe instead of dodging, he just throws up a shield of water, comes around and does a shot of his own. This is absolutely what he can do. Maybe he picks up a sword or a spear made out of hardened water and just starts flinging them at Hercules from a distance. Absolutely. Look, this is a guy who can use his water power to both sink ships to the bottom of the ocean, as well as lift ships up from the bottom of the ocean. He can also, if there is no water around him, he can pull from within to just create water. Kind of like you've seen in that X-Men movie where I think Pyro needs the lighter in order to create it. He doesn't need that. He can just make water appear from within his own body somehow. He also has a power boost when in or around water. Just being near water causes his strength levels to heighten. And if he's in water, oh my goodness, this is like fighting Namor in the ocean. It does not go well for you. So if he gets kind of a nautical or or, or water battle happening, Hercules is in deep trouble if he gets pulled away from what he's comfortable with, which is on land. Hercules is a land-based fighter. He doesn't fly. He needs that to happen for him. He can also, Percy Jackson can also do cryokinesis. He can turn the water into ice and do many of the other similar things with it. But I could see a situation where to slow him down, he encases Hercules in ice, splashes him with like a tidal wave of water, freezes the water while it's on him, 
Could it take Hercules two minutes to kind of pull his way and thaw his way out of that? It possibly could, and that's that's absolutely a way you can win through incapacitation on the show. Another cool thing is, you know, Hercules, I know, has a healing factor. Percy Jackson, when touching water, uh, also has a healing factor. It actually, water heals his wounds. <laughs> he had a huge, gu- uh, a huge gash, a huge cut on his cheek, and just having splashing some water on it washed it away. It was totally fine. But let's talk about the big stuff. Percy Jackson can command the creatures of the sea, much like Aquaman can do. It's more than just talking to fish. Percy Jackson can actually get giant sea creatures to fight on his behalf. And while I do think Hercules can beat a giant sea creature, could he beat three of them while Percy's also fighting him? I don't know. I think that's a numbers game that Percy can play all day long. He can also control the winds and create hurricane-level storms when he wants to. Again, Hercules can't fly. If all of a sudden a massive hurricane is pushing uh, Hercules, could it absolutely shove him two towns over and cause him to be removed from battle for a good two minutes? I want to say yes, especially if that wind hits him from the right angle and he's not grabbing onto something and it catches him by surprise. And one of the last things I want to talk about here is he has power over mist. Water in the air is mist. He's able to use that to create illusions. One time he tricked a cop into thinking there was an imaginary presidential motorcade happening right nearby and he was able to get out of a situation because he just was able to create that convincingly through the power of mist. It's a little wild, but creating mist illusions for Hercules to mess with and use his strength and potentially get him out of position, I could see him using these in conjunction with each other because at the end of the day, Hercules is a great wrestler, which means he's great with leverage, but leverage uses gravity as one of your own strengths. Percy Jackson doesn't necessarily need to follow those same rules, especially if there's water involved. And so getting Hercules a little bit off his feet, catching him with kind of a sudden gust of wind, these are the ways that you can get Hercules off balance. And once you do that, you can sweep him away with the riptide. And that's my point number three. I am so glad you brought out the big guns for Percy Jackson. I'll be doing the same thing for Hercules, by the way. This is where this battle needs to go. All right, let me kind of answer some of these things. First of all, Percy Jackson, such a great character. The hydrokinesis, blowing up water at, in Hercules' direction or while it's on or whatever, that's not going to do anything to Hercules. This is a Thor-level character. This is the most powerful god amongst most gods. He walks in a room full of gods. He's the most powerful person in that room. Just saying. By the way, you said you know he becomes like an Aquaman-like character. Luckily, Hercules has experience with that because he's beaten Namor quite a few times, even when in the water where Namor is the most powerful form that he can be. So that's not really going to be a factor for Hercules. Let's see. Hercules has fought in water many times. Not a problem for him. Hercules, in terms of power, you know, you're talking about, you know, blocks of ice kind of solidifying him. He takes too long to get out or monsters, three huge monsters at the same time. Remember, Hercules punched a wormhole closed. Now, of course, he did that with Thor on the other side. From his side, he punched a wormhole closed that was evidently incalculable in terms of power. This is not something that Hercules has not already done, taking on multiple monsters where there's a cryomancer, whatever you want to call it, kind of controlling things from behind and kind of attacking him. This is something he loves doing. Remember, he thinks when he fights you, he's giving you the gift of battle. The harder Percy Jackson is going to fight, the more Hercules is going to be into it. He is kind of demented that way. And that's uh, that's kind of actually a really cool thing about Hercules. All right, let me get to my point number three. Let's talk about Hercules' fighting experience. But firstly, let's talk about a couple of Percy Jackson's weaknesses. I hate doing this, but this is what I got to do. Listen, when I was an MMA corner person and a coach and all that, and I had a fighter who was about to fight, I had to examine 
their opponents and kind of see, okay, do they have weaknesses? Are they not as strong as certain parts? I did the same thing with Percy Jackson, and I found two. Okay, hear me out here. Now, the first one is the fact that Percy Jackson, evidently, according to the books, is absolutely invulnerable and is most powerful, except for one small area, the small of his back. So why is that important? Because a common thing for Hercules to do is to put an opponent in a front-facing bear hug where he's going to clasp his hands in the small of someone's back. He did that to Thor. He did that to other powerful beings. He did that to the Beyonder. That's something he does all the time. Look, if you're vulnerable there in the small of your back to a grappler like Hercules, who uses a superhuman god-level bear hug, you're going to get wrecked. That is a horrible Achilles heel type of weakness that Percy Jackson officially has. Now, the second weakness, evidently, is that Percy Jackson is claustrophobic amongst everything else. And and according to the book, he's claustrophobic due to him being the son of Poseidon. I don't get how that makes you claustrophobic, but that's a thing. Now, in MMA and grappling, if you're a little claustrophobic and someone gets on top of you, smothers you, wraps you up in a jujitsu hold or locks you up of some sort, you start to lose your mind and panic in a big way. Look, I've seen it a million times in jiu-jitsu when I've done it, and it's actually happened to me as well. Someone gets on top of you, suppose you can't move. The, that little inkling of claustrophobia comes out, and you just panic. You spaz. You lose your mind. You lose your composure. That's something that's going to happen against a master grappler like Hercules. Now, in terms of fighting experience, Hercules has a very long history. He's got a super successful track record, let's just call it what it is, against God-level and super beings in the Marvel Universe as well as those even more, vastly more powerful than those in the Percy Jackson universe. Again, I said at the beginning of the show, gods and Percy Jackson, super powerful. Gods in the Marvel comic book universe, insanely more powerful. So Hercules has fought and beaten the Hulk on a number of occasions. He took out Rogue from the X-Men. You know Rogue who absorbed Captain Marvel's powers? Yeah, he took her out with one punch. She wasn't able to absorb his strength at all. He's fought and beaten Adam Warlock. Now, we'll see Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is going to be really cool. This character is a Thanos-level character in the Marvel Universe in terms of power. By the way, Hercules beat Adam Warlock when Adam Warlock had one of the Infinity Stones. I believe it was the Soul Stone still that makes him very powerful. Uh, He's taken on Galactus. Uh, Let's see, he took on the Chaos King, which is this kind of entity known as an anti-god who was hell-bent on destroying the universe. Kind of crazy. Here's a fun fact. Hercules has a longtime rivalry with Thor. Yeah, Thor. In one particular fight between the two that was fairly even, Hercules used his fighting skill, got behind Thor, and put him what I call like a rear naked choke to choke him out. And as Thor is getting choked out, little thought bubble comes up. He admits to himself that Hercules is, in fact, the better fighter between the two, which means, according to Thor, Hercules is better. That's kind of crazy. Let's see. Uh, of course, Hercules beaten Thor a number of times. And again, it's, you know, you can say it's sheer power, but it's actually combined with martial arts skill, fighting skill mastery. See, when it comes down to it, Percy Jackson fights great. But Hercules is a great fighter. I've been waiting to use that line forever, by the way. The difference is seeing when you put a great brawler, you know, someone knows how to throw a punch and has experience doing so versus someone who has trained their whole freaking life, thousands of years, in Hercules' case, to fight using wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, submission techniques, weapons of all kinds. Remember, he's a swords master swords usage. He's got that mace. I mean, this guy knows how to use every weapon you can think of, and he knows how to disarm every weapon you can think of, too. And by the way, Hercules literally lives for a great fight. In fact, the great thing about Hercules is that he's so into fighting that he does everything he can to maintain his reputation. This is actually really cool because his reputation is that in a fight, Hercules is the last person standing. He's actually pulled out victories by tapping into willpower and telling himself, hey, I'm Hercules and Hercules doesn't lose. He actually talks to himself in third person. Look, using his fighting skills, Hercules took out Ares, the little god of war, like took him out. And he beat this is interesting. He beat a character named Sentry in a fight. Now, Sentry is one of these powerful beings in Marvel. He's got Superman level power in terms of flight and vulnerability, strength, 
but Sentry can teleport, control light, shoot energy blasts, uh, bring the dead back to life, control darkness, rearrange matter at the molecular level, pretty much do almost anything gods can do in Percy Jackson. Sentry can do at a godlike level, and yet Hercules beat him. So look, with Hercules, literally immeasurable feats of strength and power, he threw Godzilla. He picked up Godzilla, threw Godzilla. This is crazy. His skill, his track record of beating everyone and anyone who's got super strength, who's a great fighter in the Marvel, and all this mastery of weapons, it's pretty easy to see why Hercules wins this fight. That's why Percy Jackson loses. That's why Hercules wins. That's my point number three. Oh, he's got the uh, Achilles, the heel of Achilles, the Achilles heel, which means that in the stories, he he was completely invulnerable and he was basically uh, completely immune to all damage with one exception, which was the small of his back. And guess what gets hurt when you're in a bear hug? Oh no, what have I signed up for? This is bad news. Thankfully, thankfully, Percy Jackson went into the Roman rivers and washed that ability away at a certain point in his storyline. So it's not a thing for Percy Jackson anymore, or I would have been absolutely smoked in this battle. Very uh, excited to hear you bring up one of my favorite uh, fights of all time, which is Hercules versus Namor the Submariner from 1970. Uh, a wonderful issue. Now, what's James, what you didn't you left out? is the fact that when these two fought, they were fighting on land the entire time. Namor was being mind-controlled the whole time, so he wasn't really himself, and it was a draw. Those two fought hand-to-hand, and it essentially ended when finally Hercules hit Namor hard enough to end the mind control, and then they're just like, let's just not fight anymore. And then the the real enemy of the issue summoned kaiju monsters from the sea, and Hercules said, Namor, pick me up and throw me at the kaiju monsters. And he goes, I'ma do it. And he throws them and they take out the monsters together. It's a wonderful fight, a wonderful issue. But at the end of the day, that was a draw, James. That was not a win for Hercules as you described it. And and Namor, that battle again, mind controlled, wasn't using hurricane winds, wasn't using the powers of the ocean. He wasn't using essentially any of it. On pure fighting alone, the two fought to a standstill and both were able to hit the other to the point where they could feel it. And that's my point right here. In a fight between Hercules and Percy Jackson, it is going to involve being in the water at some point. It is going to involve a giant hurricane winds and tempest storms and sea creatures, and that's it. Hercules is a very one-dimensional, very great fighter, but when it comes to the amount of tricks that Percy Jackson can throw at him, as well as a sword, I would point out again that if it nicks a god, if he gets a hit on a god, which Hercules does get hit, if that sword hits you, it's going to hurt real, real bad and start eating you up from within. We got battlefield removal. We got a sword that kills gods. We have an equally, maybe not equally, but almost as equally talented fighter and strongman in Percy Jackson. That's why Percy Jackson takes his victory. That's why Percy Jackson climbs Olympus as our champion today. Ray, do you think, you know, since the 70s that uh, Namor and Hercules have fought since then? It's not any time I want to talk about, James. That's fair. I, I Clearly, that's the case. All right, Marshall, listen. <laughs> You've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Percy Jackson and Hercules. Well, on its face, I I immediately thought, well, there's no way that... Uh, why would you put a kid against a, <laughs> against a god like this? There are a ton of feats on both sides that are pretty impressive, it seems like. For me, 
it's been even because the power and durability on both sides, there seems to be an answer either way. And it came down, I had to ask myself, well, whose best hit would do the most damage? Like, whose best hit would win if either one of them got it? And, like, I know I wouldn't want to get hit by Hercules, apparently. <laughs> like, he's crazy. But his best move, I guess, from what I can tell, is the bear hug, from what I've heard. He does the big bear hug and you can't let go. You can't get the grip off of it. And Percy's got the small of the back weakness. But if Percy were somehow get him with the sword, I mean, the sword is supposed to kill gods. And so I felt like because of that, like it has to go to Percy just because I think that sword would do what it's supposed to do versus Percy's back hurting real bad. So I'm going to do Percy Jackson. I think Percy Jackson wins this. There we go, everybody. That's that's a season. That is magic. Uh, that is the magic of TV's Marshall Givens. Give him all the awards. I I, I can't believe I said it either. <laughs> Marshall Givens. Marshall Givens. Marshall Givens. Here, here's the problem I have with your logic. What? First of all, I have a problem that I have a problem because you're such oh, a, no. a great guy. But more importantly, here's the thing. Hercules has to land one shot. One Percy Jackson has to hit him with a sword. Then that takes time, as if that's going to slow down Hercules. What are you even talking about here to quote Race to Canis? <laughs> well, from what I could tell, <laughs> Percy Jackson can get hit and not be killed by that's a right. super strong hit. Yeah. But a sword that's magical, that's designed to kill a god, eventually will work. So, Plus, he might punch him so hard he knocks him to the ocean, and then what are you going to do? <laughs> then you're in trouble. So, so- so someone who can pick up Godzilla and throw him a few blocks in mm-hmm. a city. Throw a few blocks. That James, kind of power to punch. he flipped him three I'm feet. Don't even pretend. <laughs> <laughs> he lifted him three feet. First of all, race to Canis. Your time is done here for a second. Look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Marshall Givens, you're such a good guy. A handsome guy. A smart guy. I have such an internal conflict. I can't come down on you that hard because oh. I completely disagree with your decision. <laughs> but you're, ugh, you're such a good judge. I don't know what to do right now. Ray Sicanis, tell the Legion of Audience how you feel right now. I am great. Percy Jackson is a great character, but really the greatest character on display today is Almighty Ray. And I say that for one very pointed, very specific reason. And that's because as we sit here in season four, the victories that I have amassed on the Who Would Win show are now so great, they cannot be overtaken in the remaining battles left in the season by one James Gabsey, which means that officially the winner of season four is a direct result of this battle is me. Uh-oh. And I quite honestly deserve every ounce of it. Oh man. I didn't and know I was just like that, that. And just like Twitter, we've now lost five sponsors. I literally just got texts right now from people saying you lost. Really? Can we're out of here. Can I change Thanks, my Ray. <laughs> Backblade's coming in huge, James. Backblade is coming in all the way. Uh, Marshall, you can definitely uh, change your vote. The only thing is, moving forward, um, <laughs> we can no longer fly you first class into oh, the Who Would Win offices. The yeah. whole reason why I was here. <laughs> I know. Yes, I know. Virtual we had a whole airplane to the virtual Zoom space will no longer be first class. Uh, I'm so sorry, Marshall. I, I had this Swag. whole. Ray, you had no idea. I had this whole evening planned for you, Marshall. We were going to. 
you know, do some great dining at the finest restaurants <laughs> in Los Angeles. I was going to read these VIP club plays. Anyway, it's all gone because you decided. <sighs> yeah. Someone who could usually do that. couldn't punch hard enough. Sometimes but that's why you usually give the hurts. judge all those things before the battle happens. That's called bribery. And I'm so glad you <laughs> sandbagged it this time. <laughs> After a season of horrible judge decisions, horrible. And by the way, the Legion of Audience agrees with me. This one, I can't say is horrible. For the I disagree with it. I, I can't dis I, I disagree, but I can't fault the judge because at least the logic was sound. I hate the decision, but I love the judge. I hate the outcome. I like money. I like our sponsors. They hate the outcome. Do you see where I'm going with this, Marshall? Next time I'm, we're on the show. I'll, I'll, I'll fix saying. it. I'll fix it. What, what's <laughs> happening right now? Uh, all right. Congratulations, Race to Canis. It's been a great season. We got a couple episodes left, and I'm going to be absolutely hammering you with some crazy debating. Just count on it. With that being said, Marshall, you are a national treasure. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. Uh, you can check me out, uh, Instagram, Twitter, if you're still on Twitter. I don't even know why I'm still there. Uh, at <laughs> Mr. Happy Givens. Uh, that's where you can find me on the socials. Look me up. I love it. All right, Ray Sicanis, the victory is yours. You've won season four. Congratulations. I got to tell you, it's been a fun, other than the really bad judge decisions. Uh, but today, I can kind of see the logic a little bit, even though I disagree. So congrats on winning season four. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. You know, you talk about bad judges' decisions in season four, like you didn't reap the two to one, three to one, four to one benefit in those decisions. You pick one you didn't like because the judge said one thing that you've decided to ignore the entire rest of what they said. So you could hammer in on one minuscule, unimportant point, James. And I'm frankly sick of you always blaming the judges for your defeats on this show. Sometimes you got to bring it, James. I'm proof of that. All you have to do is bring it for an entire season, and you too, someday, James, will grow up and become a real champion because I believe it's been said that in the fourth season of a show, that's worth like 17 times the number of laurels as other seasons. So basically, I'm up 18 to 2 right now in championships, and we will continue that fourth all the way through season five. Now, we talk about the greatest champions of all time, and one can't forget great champions like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in basketball. He won a lot of titles. Tom Brady, maybe the greatest to ever play quarterback, also went to the University of Michigan. Yeah, probably related. Great Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. You talk about the great New York Yankees teams of the 1920s and many other decades since to follow. And right there in the pantheon of greatest sports entertainment champions of all time, right next to the 1957 Detroit Lions, you'll see my picture, Ray, great champion of season four of the Who Would Win show, now among the pantheon of the gods of sports and the world of entertainment. As far as greatest champions of all time go, I'm on the list, baby. I'm on the list. You can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray, as long as they let me stay. I uh, just got another three texts. We have lost two dog food companies as sponsors. <laughs> and uh, Indeed.com, who's been with us for years, oh, has no. said, yeah, we're done. 
Thanks, Ray. Marshall, this is what happens when uh, you, you kind of make these types of decisions. I'm, I'm not sorry. mad at you. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm furious, actually. I'm furious. <laughs> Do you we'll need a, a new later. sponsor or someone who will find new sponsors? Well, you need Indeed. <laughs> Indeed said and don't. We did we? need Indeed, Ray. That's exactly right. And because <laughs> we have no sponsors, we got to find regular jobs. Hope you're happy, Ray. Hope you're happy. All right. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. I'm going to change it, actually, to at James Gavsey's not bitter with Marshall, or am I? Because I am. <laughs> Remember to join the official... <laughs> it's a lot. I, Twitter will give me an allowance. Uh, Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicadis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. It's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.